dedicated to student counsellors and their road to getting qualified and beyond. Today I'm answering a listener's question. I was asked what were my first steps to becoming a counsellor? So I'm going to answer that for you here today. Hello everybody. I'm back. I'm sorry I've not been here for such a long time. Oh, things have been so busy. It really has been manic. And as I'm sitting here now talking to you all, I realise just how important this podcast is to me. And I know that it's important to a lot of you out there as well. I just wanted to say a massive thank you to all of you for your support, because I couldn't do this without all of you. And you're always so kind and so patient when I'm taking ages to upload an episode. And I realised today that I really miss this and I want to find a way to do this more regularly. So I'm going to find a way to build it back in, um, in a more regular way, which I hope will make some of you happy. (laughs) Um, It will make me happy, that's for sure. And that's the main thing around here, eh? But I'm sitting here now looking out the window and here in the UK, it's raining as per normal. (laughs) At the moment, it seems to rain all the time, but it's actually sunny at the same time as it's raining. And I'm looking out and it's actually lovely, bright sun coming in on me as I'm talking to you. And I've got a cup of tea. I thought today is a cup of tea kind of day. Um, And for those of you wondering, I take my tea, just tea with a splash of coconut milk. And so for all of you screwing up your noses right now, don't knock it till you've tried it. It's actually really nice. (laughs) I like it anyway. So, yeah, I wanted to get started occasionally. I get messages from people asking quite specific questions and I was contacted a while ago by a lovely lady called Laura and she is in the process of doing her level two training at the moment. When she messaged me, she was about to embark on it. She wanted to know more about my very sort of first steps in the road to becoming a counsellor and actually I could have responded to her by message and answered her questions but It felt like this might resonate with so many people that are thinking of starting doing this that I thought I might make an episode on this. And actually, I think it will resonate with many people. So today I'm going to talk to you about those very first steps of what led me there in the first place um, and a little bit about what that's been like between, um, you know, back then and now and what I've kind of learned along the way. So I hope that that's going to be helpful to at least some of you out there. For those of you that are already in your training phase right now, um, I don't know if it'd be helpful. Maybe it will. See what comes up. This is not a scripted podcast in any way. It's all very ad hoc. I don't rehearse it or script it or anything. So I never quite know what's going to come out next. But that's kind of why I like it. <laughs> so it's really lovely to be back. I am loving it today. It's just really nice on this Friday. So if you haven't already and you're in the place that you could do it, grab yourself a cup of tea or a coffee, or a hot chocolate, or something, and just make some time to settle down for yourself, and have a little listen, of course if you're driving, it's a bit more tricky to make a drink and stuff, isn't it, but maybe make a little promise to yourself, that you'll take some time out for you, um, you know, as soon as you can, and allow yourself some of that downtime, because I think that that's really important, and for me, 
there's been something that's been um, allowing me to manage my work-life balance a little bit has been things like putting on the quiet mode on Facebook. Ooh, who'd ever thought a thing could help be so helpful? But it's a quiet mode that you can turn on at certain times of the day that don't actually allow you to go on there. You could press see Facebook 15 minutes or something if you want to cheat. But it's a real kind of good prompt. If you go on there and you're mindlessly scrolling, it stops that. And I found that by doing that, it's made so much more time in my life. I'm not just mindlessly scrolling through social media, looking at negative posts and reading about somebody who's parked on the double yellow lines or, you know, somebody that's parked 10 foot from the curb and that sort of thing. I'm not having to see that and hear that. And I think it's making a really big difference. So I wanted to share that with you. I know it's completely off topic, but yeah, it's called Facebook quiet mode and it can be found in your settings and I'm finding it really, really helpful. So I thought I'd share that. So if you don't get anything else from today's episode, at least you've got that little nugget. (laughs) So, so let's go back to Laura. She was asking, what was my level two course like? And I think I've touched on this a little bit in previous episodes, but Essentially, I did my level two course at a time where I'd had a child. I had a small child at the time and I was working part time hours because until that point I was working full time. And although I really, really wanted to begin counselling training, I kind of didn't have time when I was working full time. And, you know, full time with a small child would have been really, really difficult. But of course, in having him it meant that I was then working part-time hours in my job which meant that I had a little bit more space to keep up with things like the coursework and the general work and the reflection and the journaling that goes alongside the course so I had a little bit more time and a little bit more space because one of the other questions that Laura was asking is how did I fix fix it all in terms of the work-life balance I guess it was a big kind of moment for me where I was like oh Suddenly I'm in a position where I've got a little bit more time. I didn't have a lot of time, but I had a little bit more. So I searched around for courses in my local area. And for those of you who don't know, I live in Devon. So there's a few options around here. We're not we're not doing too badly. But the training that I embarked on was a CPCAB level two course. It was led by a really lovely guy, actually an amazing tutor. He was very sort of psychodynamic based. And a lot of his his work was in psychodynamic counselling. So I didn't know anything about any of the kind of the modalities of counselling at this point. I kind of knew very little. And so I saw a level two course, not that close to me to where I lived, but about half an hour, maybe 40 minute drive. So fairly lengthy distance, but nothing terrible. I remember thinking and weighing it up, thinking, oh, do I want to do that drive? It's going to be in the in the evenings. It's going to be dark. It's, you know, the windy roads. Again, here in Devon, we often meet, we sort of meet tractors and things like that, obviously. <laughs> For those of you that are not in Devon, you probably know that already. But, you know, there's something about that, isn't there, that it was a windy road and it was dark and it was quite a, a long distance. But I knew that I wanted to do it and I felt actually quite determined to do it. So... When I signed up to the level two course, I made a decision that I'm just going to have to suck up the rest of it because it's only a 10 week course. It wasn't a very long course. And it meant that I could just go and see. And that's all I was doing really with level two is I wanted to just go and see A, whether I'd enjoy it, B, whether I'd be any good at it, 
see whether it was actually interesting to me. I knew very little. So I went in with quite an open mind, I suppose, with very little expectation on what it would be like. And I fell in love with the process really, really quickly. I enjoyed the course. I really looked forward to it. And I began to leave home a little bit earlier where I could and go to the little shops there in the town where I was. And there's a lovely health food shop. And I began to make it a little bit of self-care time as well as learning time. So I embarked on this process and really, really enjoyed the level two course. And I was fascinated by the psychodynamic elements and what that meant. And at that point, I was starting to think that I quite liked to become a psychodynamic counsellor. That was something that was very much on my mind. But through doing some research and for realising how much personal therapy was involved in, in training, during the training course, there's a lot of personal therapy that's needed. And actually looking at the cost, um, I was just, I just didn't think I could make it work. And I couldn't commit to that level of personal therapy at that time in my life. I knew that personal therapy was part of the training wherever I went, but not to that extent and that kind of quantity. So I decided that as much as the psychodynamic route felt really good, I wanted to think about some other kind of modalities and think about some other options. But the course itself was a really, really great course with a great group of people. And I knew probably two weeks into the level two course that this is something I wanted to pursue. And it was everything that I hoped it would be, I guess. So it felt really good but it also felt like the time because of the 10 weeks are quite short it was flying by and each evening would only be sort of two and a half three hours that I'd go there once a week so I wasn't getting a heap of time but it was enough for me to say this is what I want to do that was kind of my level two in a nutshell and it gave me a real grounding it gave me lots of understanding And it enabled me to see what that psychodynamic model kind of could look like. And I say kind of because at level two, it felt like it was an overview in many respects, although there was depth to it. But in many respects, there was an overview of what the model looked like. But we also obviously learned lots of skills and lots of personal development within that as well. And I always enjoy the journal writing, particularly. I found that to be a really worthwhile thing to do. So I did my 10 weeks there and I passed the course and got the qualification and felt really happy. And then I started thinking about the next steps, which I knew would be a level three course, because by this point I was kind of sold. You know, I was sold on this idea of I want to be a counsellor. I want to work in private practice so that I don't have to be employed. I can spend time with my son and I can plan my diary, I suppose. But I knew it would take time. I knew that it would be quite a lengthy process And I was kind of okay with that by this point. It was just an acceptance of, I can't do all of this straight away. But because it's such a growth road, I suppose, there's so much growth to be had there and lots of learning about myself. It felt okay that it was taking time. And normally for people that know me know that I'm not a particularly patient person sometimes and I like to get things done and, you know, get them done and sorted and out the way. But this felt different. This felt like something that needed me to accept 
that I was planting the foundation of something really important because the learning isn't just about counselling. So much of the learning is about us as people, us as individuals, where our blind spots are, where we struggle in our lives, things that we've had happen to us in the past that needs to be looked at and explored. I knew that it wasn't just a surface thing. I knew that it was something that had to run a lot deeper than that. And I was prepared for it. So I started to look up um, some level three training. At this point, I knew that I wanted to explore other models and I'd done a bit of research and the level two course had highlighted that there were other kind of counselling modalities available, including something like the person-centred approach, which is where I started focusing my attention in terms of, of courses and training. But I kind of wanted something that would give me a nice understanding I suppose of what I could offer what could I do what could I do with my clients maybe I'd go down the CBT route you know I wasn't sure so I had lots of ideas so the course that I chose was with a local college and it was a college that ran you know lots and lots and lots of different sorts of courses under the same umbrella and I got an evening course there doing the level three training and I actually didn't enjoy it particularly I found I found the tutor was quite cold. Sorry, there's actually an aeroplane going over the house as I'm talking, so I'm hoping that's not going to be too distracting for you. I'm kind of in the flow now. I don't want to stop. <laughs> um, but I um, really found the tutor to be not very warm and not very welcoming and not very supportive at times. So the Level 3 course was a really rocky road for me, if I'm honest. It was a time when I wasn't sure what I was doing then. I was in a course, and I've said this before on the podcast, definitely. I was in a room that was really sort of stark, white, clinical, with whiteboards and desks. It wasn't warm and creative and cosy and homely. It was cold and stark And that would have been okay if the tutor had had some warmth. The group felt quite sort of disconnected at times and it was very, very sort of work heavy, this particular course. There was a lot of criteria to get ticked off, lots to sort of trudge through. And I'm happy to do the work. That wasn't a thing, but it felt very much like the lessons were geared just to understanding the criteria I didn't feel as if there was much experience within that, you know. Skills practice would take place in this one big room. We'd just sort of separate off into pairs or into triads. But it was just essentially everybody in one big room. There was never any place to go off and have much time, as far as I can remember, um, to be just together, you know, doing our skills practice. So the whole thing just felt cold and it felt clinical I wasn't sure about it, but I did learn lots about the person-centred models. And I also learned lots about, you know, the idea of, 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 you know, meshing in CBT. The tutor that I was with was very kind of into CBT. So it meant that I learned a lot about the modalities whilst I was there. And I also learned what I didn't want in terms of my training for the diploma because it didn't put me off doing this I just knew that this particular training was not for me it was kind of a means to an end 
And I think that for any of you out there listening that have done a, are doing a level two at the moment and looking at level three, don't make the mistake that I did where you just go to level three because the location is good or because you know of the college already or because the price is good. You need to go to the place that really where you really feel warm and comfortable in, that's where you need to go. With people that feel like they energise you, because this particular course did not energise me, and it was a slog. And this time I was working as well, part-time, but working a little bit more. I was travelling there of an evening time, wasn't very far away from where I lived, probably about 15, 20 minutes or so. And it was in the evenings and it was dark. Oh... I didn't enjoy the process, I have to say. It's everything that I wouldn't want a course in our college to be now, if that makes sense. So it did give me some really, really good learning. And then the next sort of stage for me was thinking about level four. I still wanted to do it. I just knew that the type of training that I'd entered into wasn't for me. I wasn't enjoying the heavy criteria. It felt really kind of clinical and really... I don't know, black and white, you know, all or nothing, all of those sorts of things. So I looked for a diploma that was going to give me some warmth and some experience. You know, I wanted experiential learning. I wanted to work with sand and I wanted to work with objects and I wanted to learn about gestalt and I wanted to learn about more about person-centred and I wanted to learn about CBT And so I found a wonderful place that it did all those things for me. It was close by to where I lived, again, about a 20-minute drive. It was the best decision I ever made. It was the best course. It was a beautiful course. And it wasn't criteria-heavy. It was lots of writing, but a lot of that was relating to writing essays, writing journals, that sort of thing. We weren't writing to specific um, criteria. We were writing essays based upon guidelines and guidance and um, essay outlines and things like that. So we were doing that sort of training. It was warm and cosy and it was in somebody's house. I mean, that's you can't get more warm and cosy than that. It really did teach me that becoming a counsellor is what I really, really wanted But there's a fly in the ointment, and that is, it was hard. It was so hard to balance that work-life balance, if that makes sense, because the the assignments were big. They took a long time to do. The course itself was one weekend a month, so you'd be there for the whole weekend, and it was exhausting. It was it was very very long days, and it was wonderful because we had the most amazing group but it was hard from a personal kind of work-life balance point of view. You know, by this point I had a, um, I guess my son would have been about maybe three or four. So, you know, I had a busy home life at that time and I still was working in my job. It was a job that I hated at this time. I really was struggling work-wise. And so there was lots that came up. And so the process of needing personal therapy for the course was a massive help because it enabled me to work through lots and actually a lot of my personal therapy was taken up with talking about my job and talking about how stressful that was and how uncertain it always was and it was a really massive help to me at that time 
But as I went through the course, I realised that at some point I'm going to now have to try and fit in placement clients because I'd reached that point where I was kind of the end of year one, approaching year two and hearing people talk about placements and feeling this real pressure of like, oh, it's really competitive. Some people had two placements under their belt and I didn't have anything. I, I didn't know what to do with my son in the daytime if I was going to go and work on placement because we were using up our kind of childcare options when I was at work. So to use that in the day just felt too difficult. So there was lots that we were sort of trying to juggle. And eventually I was given the opportunity to begin to see some clients actually at the college where I was just training. They began to set up like an affordable counselling agency. And I was one of the first, if not the first, placement counsellor. And it meant that I could plan my diary. I could or I'd get allocated a client. I'd call them and book them in myself. And I would go and see them there from from the college, uh, which was, like I said, somebody's actual house. But, you know, it, it didn't sound quite as weird as it sounds when I say it like that. It was somebody's house, but it was sort of sectioned off, if that makes sense. I started seeing clients in the evening time, but I can only really do, you know, I think I was doing something like maybe two, maybe three a week maximum because I didn't have a lot of time. I tried to sort of squeeze it into an evening here and there. And so the getting the 100 hours was slow. It was a slog. And at times it felt like it was going to take forever. I just carried on working through it and enjoying the work with clients immensely and realising that, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. And I think that gave me the drive to really work through the process and to get to the end of the 100 hours and to eventually qualify and, and get my certificate, <laughs> you know, the big piece of paper that, that enables us to register with the BACP and NCS and re- allows us to practice and get insurance. It felt like it was the key to unlocking everything that I'd been dreaming of, which was to have this private practice. So I've got the piece of paper, which I see as the key. And I'm working still, but at the same time as I'm working, I'm starting to, a little bit further down the line now, I'm I'm talking a little bit further after I qualified, I've started to see private clients a little bit kind of on the side, you know, on times when I wasn't working in my actual employment, I was seeing a client here and there. I actually reached a position where the company I was working for went into administration overnight and I lost my, I lost my employment overnight. And when that happened, in a way, it was probably one of the best things ever, as as awful as it was at the time, because it meant that I kind of had to make a choice. Do I go and get some more employment and get employed somewhere and go work and, and do something? Or do I take a leap of faith and, you know, build my private practice now and become reliant on my private practice? So I took that option. It built up really well and really it was okay. I wasn't rolling in cash, but it felt like it worked. And I I slowly built that up. And that's probably a podcast episode for another day, because I'm. it would be really good to talk about how I formed my private practice, and you know, where I worked from and all of that sort of thing. If that's something that would interest you all, do you mind just letting me know? Just I'll put something on Facebook later. And perhaps you can always comment to say whether that would be interesting to you. But yeah, would you like to hear about that, about how I sort of, how I worked through and created this private practice? It might be quite an interesting kind of conversation, mightn't it? 
So that's the story in a nutshell. One of the things that Laura wanted me to touch base on was this work-life balance. And I think that I've covered that today, but it is hard and it's about looking at every aspect of it. You know, if you're having to travel a really long way for your training, then that will eat into the amount of time it takes to get there. If you find yourself a placement and it is an hour's drive away, as good as that looks on paper, will that work for you in your life? Because if you're working with three or four clients of an evening, you've got to drive an hour there and drive an hour back. Wow, it could be a really long and really exhausting evening. So really think about that for yourself. What do you need? What do you need? And don't think about placement numbers. Think about quality as well. It's not just about ticking the numbers off. It's the quality of work that you could provide. The quality of your experience is really important. I would love for you all to get a really good placement experience. But sometimes people force a fit with a placement where it doesn't really fit for them. So that's one thing I would say about work-life balance. And the other thing that Laura asked me was about tips for a beginner. And (laughs) I guess for me the best tip I can come up with is to begin with a really open mind. Don't get too set on what you think you want to do because over the years I know that my work has changed, the way that I work has changed, I've changed. So don't get too set on any one idea. Think about different modalities of counselling. Don't just go for the one because it feels like it fits or the course local to you does it. Look at what type of work you want to do use that as your focus in terms of where your training needs to build from and obviously not forgetting that even once we've trained we still need to keep up our training with continued professional development and things like that so there's always scope to add a little bit more on if you need to in the future but try and get the basis right at this point in terms of how you want to work what modality suits you best and don't just go for the course because it's local to you That's my probably my biggest tip. Go for the course that feels like it's right, like they're your people. Try and go for those um, because that's where you're going to get the richer experience, I believe. I really hope this has been helpful to you all. I know it was a really long story, but God, you know what? It feels really good to get it out and to talk about it and to bring it all together in one kind of place. So thank you, Laura. Thank you for reaching out and asking this because it's been a really interesting episode for me to record, and I've really, really enjoyed that. So, I guess I'd better put my microphone away for another day and get this podcast edited. I'll get this up for you as soon as I possibly can. I'm aiming for today. The day that I'm recording this is Friday the 18th of November 2022, so I'm hoping that this will be up live online on the same day, which is quite a tall order, but I'm going to go and try for that. So... Thank you so much for joining me. And as ever, thank you for your support. It means the world to me. If you fancy leaving me a five-star review on any of the platforms, that would be a really massive help. It really helps me, it helps the podcast, and it helps me to reach more students, which is what I'm trying to do. That's the aim of the game for me. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to yourself. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.